Welcome to the OCC Podcast. Whether you're listening to this at home, on the road, at work, or in the gym, we're so glad you decided to join us as we study God's Word together. We hope and pray that through this ministry, you will grow in your relationship with God as well as become a chair for disciple maker. But for now, sit back and let us help you see how the Bible applies to your life today. All right, let's go. All right. It's like just hyper, like, yes, let's do it. All right, sorry. I like that intro video. All right, good morning. Glad you decided to join us in worship. And hello to everybody watching online. You guys are still a part of our church, even though you are not here presently, you are with us. And so we just want to thank you uh, for being here. Uh, We are nearing the end of our journey through Luke. And after this message, there's only three more left uh, until we conclude the book of Luke. And then we're going to Um, start another book in the Bible. I'm not going to tell you what that is because you have to come to church and see. Um, But Pastor James, better known as the Mean Green Machine, he will be back starting next week. And so he's going to be preaching those concluding messages. So praise God for that. We're excited for James to come back and, you know, fully recharged and ready to to continue to lead this church. So, all right, I want to start by telling you guys a story. Uh, about five years ago, uh, my wife and I had, had quite the experience of trying to sell our house and join ministry. Okay, I was, I was at the time, I was working for a state water contractor in California when I got called uh, into ministry. And so I, I interviewed at this church and accepted the job and then, you know, eventually met with a realtor and then found a home. And so then when we got back to California, we, we put our house on the market and then we got a, you know, a really good offer. God was blessing us and, and that enabled us to put a contingent offer on this new house, okay? So everything was like going in the right direction. And we're like, yeah, God's got this. Let's just, let's go. We're going into ministry. So as the closing dates got closer, uh, we we hired a moving company uh, to pack up all our stuff, which by the way is the way to go. If you guys are moving, don't break your own backs. Hire people to break their backs. And it's fantastic. Uh, Anyway, everything, again, seems to be going in the right order. You know, God was with us every step of the way. There were certain things that needed to happen and God just overflowingly blessed us. And so there were so many signs that God was was moving in this decision. And so, you know, we say goodbye to our family and and say goodbye to our friends. And and then what we do is we we head up because, you know, we're going to pass by her brother's house, my wife's brother's house in Vegas. And so we're like, hey, tell you what, we're going to go up there for the weekend, you know, and we'll, we'll hang out for the first few days for our house to close. And, and, you know, before we move into this new house and then the kids would get to play with their cousins in their pool. And then we'd get to sit on the back patio and drink coffee while the kids play in the pool. So it's perfect. So we get to Vegas and I'm like, you know, kind of like wondering what's going on. Just want to make sure everything's rolling. And, and so I call to check uh, the status of this, this whole ordeal. And that's when I find out that there was like this gigantic hang up. Okay. Escrow had closed, but our funds were seized by the FBI for national security reasons. And I wish I was joking, but this absolutely happened. Okay. Apparently, when, when the, the buyer's lender filled out the documents, I think they left out his like, middle initial. And as it turns out, he has the same name as someone on like the terrorist watch list. Okay. Now, we met this guy in person. He's a great guy. He's not a terrorist. Uh, he's actually in law enforcement. Um, and besides, I'm pretty sure you have to like, get background checked to be a, to be a cop. And so, but anyway, they froze our funds because they thought we were like, funding the war on terror uh, for the bad guys. And so we start to freak out a little bit, right? Because like, in this situation, there's nothing you can do. Like, it's all in their hands until they decide to just fix it. And it's the weekend, okay? And 
Like it's the weekend. And then that was when we also learned that Utah has its own holiday, which was that Monday, July 24th. It's called Pioneer Day in Utah. They have their own holiday only in Utah, which means their banks are closed and our truck is on the way to get our stuff delivered to a house that we don't own yet. Like we don't have keys. And so I just remember thinking like, God, what is going on? Like you were with us every step of the way. Clearly you were moving. Clearly this is where you wanted us to go. And now we got this major roadblock and things aren't going the way they're supposed to go. And I'll be honest, it shook my faith. Like not my Christianity, but you know, my, my faith that God was in control because what I saw happening in my life conflicted with what I thought should have been happening. And so I faltered a little bit. Okay, today we're gonna be in Luke 24, verses 13 to 35. And and as you saw from the trailer that was super hyped up and and had like this banging drum beat, uh, we're gonna be talking about the disciples on the road to Emmaus. A story about two guys who were regular followers of Jesus, but because Jesus was captured, condemned, and crucified, something that they thought would never happen, their faith was shaken. And they had a crisis of that faith and they didn't know what to do. So, we're going to dive into the story, and, and I'm going to show you how in this interaction between Jesus and these two disciples, that it gives us five tips that we can follow to strengthen our own faith, okay? But before we do that, as always, I love to pray um, and get our hearts and minds ready to see what the Holy Spirit has in store for us. So would you please pray with me? Father, thank you so much for your Bible. Thank you for this church. Thank you for air conditioning um, God, we, that we can sit in a country where we are free to worship you in a building that is cool with, with people who love you and love each other. God, give us eyes to see and ears to hear your truth this morning. God, may my words be your words, not my own. We love you. And give you this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, here we go. We're going to jump right in, starting at verse 13, Luke 24, verse 13. That very day, which is Sunday, the day that Jesus was raised from the dead, Two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. Okay, now here's our first tip to strengthen your faith. Okay, tip number one, talk about Jesus all the time. Okay, you see these disciples are going on a seven-mile trip to Emmaus, and their conversation naturally turns to Jesus. And they begin processing all this stuff about Jesus together out loud with one another. And so what that tells me is that as disciples of Christ, Jesus is a regular talking point. Like, disciples of Jesus talk about Jesus all the time. And so the question we can ask ourselves is, is this modeled in our own lives? Are we the type of people to talk about Jesus normally and regularly? Now, I'm not asking us to be like Bible scholars, uh, you know, or talk about all the theological topics of of things like, I'm I'm not saying that. But just really simply, is Jesus a regular part of our vernacular? Like, do we talk about him with our family? Do we easily drift to conversations about God when we're with our friends? Or if someone mentions Jesus, do we jump in like, oh, I know Jesus? Or do we kind of shy away and and we feel awkward because, you know, it's not Sunday. We talk about Jesus on Sunday. One of the things uh, my wife and I like to do is is when our kids say something, like anything, we we try to tie it back to God. Like, for instance, my son will say something like, I had a really good day at practice. And, and, and I did really well in my position. And I'll be like, you know what? Praise God, that's awesome. I'm so glad that God gave you a body and a mind so you were able to move and, and, and worship God through sports. 
or we went tubing the other day and, and someone said, wow, it's really pretty out here. And my wife was like, I know, isn't God amazing that he created all of this for us to enjoy? Like, do you see what I mean? Like when we love God, it should pour out of everything we do, which means if, if we're only talking about God on Sundays during church hours, do we really love God? You know, do we talk about our favorite sports teams or our favorite TV shows or our pets or whatever more than we talk about God? I say that because the Bible says where our treasure is, there our hearts will be also. And as Christians, our hearts and our treasures should be towards God above all things. And that would show at least in part by us talking about him regularly, like with our church family. Because we're always trying to understand God better. You know, iron sharpens iron, sharpening one another through these discussions. And maybe even in conversations with like non-believers. Like I think it's okay to be annoying. And not, not in a bad way, like don't be obnoxious or anything like that. But I think it's okay to get to a point where people just know that anytime they talk around you, like you're gonna try to spin it somehow and talk about God. And of course, we're gonna do this with complete love and humility, you know, 1 Corinthians 13. But we should honestly be the type of people to live and speak differently. Like we talk about Jesus all the time because he's the focus of our lives, amen? All right, let's keep reading. Verse 15. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. Now, I, I don't think this is deceitful at all. I, I don't think God is like shielding their eyes um, for anything bad. I think he's doing it so that they can speak freely. Like, have you ever seen the show Undercover Boss? Like, that's what Jesus is doing right here. Like, the boss shows up disguised and acts like a new hire, and, and then he wants to see how his company is run and what issues he needs to address. To address. And, and so the, the reason that Jesus conceals who he is is because he wants to promote our second point, which is don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Like, be vulnerable. You see, if, if they would have known it was Jesus who was speaking, then they probably would have given the Sunday school answers. You know, but Jesus doesn't want to hear the right answer from these guys. He wants to hear the real answer from their heart. Like, just watch as this conversation unfolds. Because these guys aren't shy about how they feel or about their doubts. And because Jesus is able to have this true and meaningful conversation with them, then he's able to speak into their lives. Like, let me show you what I mean. Verse 17. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still looking sad. So this conversation that they're having is a deep and sorrowful conversation. And their emotions are at the surface. And, and so when Jesus asks them this, they just have to stop. And then they, they're totally fine being completely vulnerable. There's no shame here. You know, for all they know, this guy is just this random Jewish traveler. And so they have real grief and sorrow in front of a perfect stranger. Because they're vulnerable. And so they open up. Verse 18. Excuse me. Then one of them named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. Another way of saying that is that Jesus was just a mighty prophet of God who performed many miracles and was a great and wonderful teacher. But then, verse 20, our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified. 
but we hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Like, did, did you guys catch that change in tone right there? What we see here is that this seed of doubt is taking hold. They're like, Jesus was this prophet who did these many amazing things, but then he was killed. And, and now we're just kind of waiting. And you see, for them, that capture and trial and crucifixion planted a seed of doubt in their minds because messiahs don't die. They save. And so now they're, they're still stuck under Rome's thumb and they're slowly losing hope in Jesus being the Messiah because things didn't go the way that they should. And so it seems that they're already starting to think that, you know, maybe this Jesus guy wasn't actually who we've been waiting for. And so that's why when they're retelling the story, they're really sad. The tone is like, man, we really hope this was the guy. But at, at this point, they haven't lost complete hope. Because look at verse, the end of verse 21. It says, yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. This is like saying, you know, well, the day's not over yet. You know, Jesus said something big might happen on day three. And so we're just hoping, we're just hanging on. We're not sure what to believe right now. Verse 22. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning. And when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they have seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Now, like I said, these guys are faithful Christians, but their doubts are just getting louder and louder and louder. And so even when they report what the women said, they're skeptical because look at how they, they retell this story. They say the women saw a vision of angels. Is that how it went? Did they see a vision? No, they saw angels. And so their answer just seems like super wish-washy, right? Like they're not really committing to anything. These guys are just sitting back and, and waiting it out. They're, they're giving themselves an out just in case this whole Jesus thing doesn't pan out so they can save face. And as a parent, I do this all the time. You know, my kids will ask for like candy after dinner. Like, can I have some candy later on tonight? And I, and I don't say no because, you know, I love my kids. But I'm not going to say yes because I love my kids, Right? And so what do I say? I'm like, we'll see, right? Like whatever happens in the future, I'm covered. Like if you eat all your dinner and everything's going well, then yeah, you can have a piece of candy. But if you don't, then I'm not gonna give you one and I'm not a liar, you know? That's what these guys do. They're, they're like, yeah, I know Mary and, and Joanna and Mary, they all said they saw angels, but they didn't actually see angels. It, it was just a vision. Verse 24. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Or sorry, but him they did not see. And so their doubting continues even further. They're like, Peter and John went down and saw the empty tomb as well, but they didn't see Jesus either. And so really, I just don't know. Could go either way. I'm hopeful. I just don't know. This is an extremely vulnerable but real answer to the question, who is Jesus? And these guys who've, who've most likely been with Jesus Firsthand, what is their reply? Who is Jesus? Well, I mean, he was at least a prophet of God. And he was a really good teacher. And he did tons of miracles. But now he's dead. And, and, and to be honest, our, our hope is kind of dying as well. We're just not really sure. This is an extremely noncommittal and doubtful and uncertain response. It's a response of rattled faith. Now, I'm pretty sure I could, I could turn around, close my eyes, and just throw a rock in the air, and I would hit somebody who's either felt this way or is feeling this way. You know, we've all been in this place where, where we're waiting for God to show up and answer our prayer, and then, like, nothing. And we're like, this, this isn't supposed to happen. 
and our faith is shaken and we're starting to doubt God. We're still believers, but our faith is rattled. You know, I don't have to tell you that this, this life is really hard. And so if it were us on the road and, and some stranger walked up to us and said, who is Jesus to you? And we're in the middle of this crisis that some of you might be in right now. We'd say, well, Jesus is my savior. He's my Lord, but I just lost my job. Or, you know, my relationship with my family or my wife or my best friend, it's not what it should be. Or I got arrested. Or I found out I have cancer. And I'm still hopeful that Jesus is my savior and that he's still sovereign, but today I'm just not so sure. Now, it's not wrong to have doubts. Like last week, God is not afraid of your questions. But as one of your pastors, I have to ask, when we get to this point, do we just keep it to ourselves? Or do we have people in our lives that, that we can process through all of these things, like our faith crisis together? Like that's what these guys have. They have like their own traveling small group. And so if, if you have a crisis of faith right now, do you have somebody to talk to? Or are you holding it in? Because you need someone to talk to. I need someone to talk to. We all need someone that we can be real with and vulnerable with because on the other side of honesty and vulnerability is community and healing. Again, God doesn't want the right answer from you. He wants the real answer from your heart. And so that way he can help guide you to believe and trust in the right answer. But it starts by being vulnerable and real with one another as a church and with God when we're praying when we're discussing and, and, and walking and talking about Jesus. All right. Now let's see how Jesus responds to these guys. Verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Now remember, Jesus is the embodiment of God. If you, if there's that passage from John. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen God. And so when God hears that these two followers would even dare doubt who he is, he commands the storms to appear and he starts hurling lightning bolts at him, right? And he then sends them to the pit of death. No, he doesn't do that at all. What does he do? He lovingly corrects their thinking like a loving God should. He sees their doubt and their worry and instead he walks alongside them. You see, Jesus isn't bothered by their questions or their doubts or the fact that they questioned the plan, or even the resurrection itself. But we can also see that he doesn't just love them by showing them grace and mercy and then not saying anything. He loves them by speaking truth to them. And he doesn't do it passive-aggressively. He does it pretty directly. He calls them foolish. And then he accuses them of a slow faith. The word foolish is the Greek word anoyatoi. And it means to not understand, to properly or to not properly think and reason through something. Paul uses this word when he talks to the Galatian church, and, and it means to allow yourself to be led astray. And so what Jesus is saying, like, my friends, who has bewitched you? Why have these doubts taken hold of your hearts and your minds when the Bible is so clear? And then he says, you're slow to believe. The word slow is the Greek word brades. It means reluctant, unhurried while still moving forward. Like picture trying to fight against a current. 
Now, again, some of us might be surprised that Jesus would be upset that they still don't get it. Like, after all, he, he just defeated death, right? Women testified of it. The ground shook, all that fun stuff. So you'd think he's probably at least low-key pretty mad, right? Like, he's, like, frustrated, like, oh, all right, come on, guys, let me show you. But he's not. Like, look at what he does. Verse 27, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Like an angry, vengeful God doesn't take time to, to walk you home while he's also walking you through the Bible. This is not a how dare you response. This is a, hey, let me help you see response. And just what a loving God that we serve. And as we'll see, this response of, of walking them through the scriptures and that it strengthens their faith, this is actually coincidentally our third tip. Yay. Tip number three, spend time in the word. Like, just look at the power of this response. Jesus opens his Bible and walks them through every passage he can in order to help them gain clarity. And it says he starts in Moses. That's the, that's the Pentateuch. That's the first five in the Old Testament. And then he gets to the prophets. That's the majors and the minors. And what's awesome is that Luke tells us that Jesus shows them the thing that, that made them actually lose their faith should have actually strengthened their faith. Jesus shows them passages like the ones found in Isaiah, that, that the Messiah was to be the suffering servant. Or in Genesis, when, when God sacrificed an animal to cover the nakedness of Adam and Eve. And he's like, guys, this has been the plan all along. Don't you see God is in control? You see, in reading their Bible, they gained clarity and understanding and peace. And when we read our Bibles, the Holy Spirit tells us the same thing. The Spirit tells us, hey, let me show you who I am. Because when we see God better, the thing that's making you lose your faith, whether it be heartache or your job or your relationships or your circumstance, it can be something that leads to a strengthening of your faith instead. Because we're going to see truths like God is always in control. The earth is not our home. God is good. And he loves and cares for you. So that means everything he does is painted by love and his goodness. These are things we need to be reminded of daily so that the road bumps of this life don't strangle our faith, but rather our faith would grow by the reading and the study of God's word. Verse 28. So then they drew near to the village to where they were going, and he acted as if he were going further. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it's towards evening, and the day is now far spent. So it's getting dark, and, and typically travelers at that time didn't travel during the night because it, it was at high risk to be robbed or attacked, and so it just really wasn't safe. And so people would typically like, invite people into their homes and, and they have them stay with them until morning, and then, then they'd go on their way. And so they're just showing Jesus the, the, the custom of, of hospitality. And so it says at the end of verse 29, so he went in to stay with them, verse 30. And when he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. And this brings us to our fourth tip to a stronger faith. Spend time with Jesus. You know, for me, the million dollar question of, of that last verse was why vanish now? Like, like why not after the Bible lesson? You know, like, here's Isaiah, here's Genesis, and I'm Jesus. You know, like, why not do something like that? 
Or why hide yourself at all and pull the old switcheroo like at dinner? And I think the reality is these men needed to be led to these answers. Jesus could have just appeared before them on the road as his glorious self and, and honestly saved himself a ton of time. But instead, Jesus took the time to spend time with them because that's what they needed in that moment. It wasn't just the Bible study. That's what I'm trying to get you guys to see. Like, I don't think Jesus was just strictly quoting Bible verses to them. I'm sure he was talking with them and they were talking with Jesus, answering questions about the scriptures, you know, talking about life talking about their families and their kids. They had a conversation. It wasn't just a lecture. And so when Jesus enters their home to sit down and have this meal with them, which is yet another intimate conversational thing to do, because of them spending hours on the road with Jesus and just getting to know him. And I think Jesus had to, had to have get, gotten rubbed off on them because you can't spend time with God and not be changed. And so after diving into the word and spending time with Jesus, their faith started to renew. And that faith started to color and, and paint what their eyes saw. Their perspective was changed. Their heart was changed and strengthened in God. And when that happened, they looked up and they recognized Jesus standing in front of them clear as day. And so now that the job is done with them now knowing Jesus more intimately than ever and knowing that the resurrection happened because they spent time with him, he vanished. And I'm not a runner by any means. I, I do occasionally run uh, for exercise. Um, but, but typically what I do is I'll, I'll run on like Thursday mornings. And, and, I, and since I do it in the morning, I, I typically wear sunglasses. And, and lately it's been like pretty hot, even at like seven, uh, seven in the morning. And so there was this one time where I like to run the, the, the bridge loop and it was just like really, really hot. And on the, on the Lewiston trail, there's like this stretch that doesn't have any tree cover. Okay. And so I, I was running and I'm sweating pretty bad. Sorry to be gross, but it, it started to drip on my lenses, on like my sunglasses. And so without thinking, I just, you know, kind of reached up and, and wiped it and it actually made things worse because it started to smudge my lenses. And so I was like, oh. so I stopped, I took them off and wiped my shirt, but my shirt was also wet. And so it just made it, 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 it was an ordeal. So it was pretty bad. And so the whole rest of the time I was running, I had to try to see through these smudgy, streaky lenses. And does that describe how, how some of us are, are walking through life right now with Jesus? Like, are we just looking at our life and our circumstances through these smudgy, foggy lenses? Because if you are, there is an answer. Do what these guys did. Spend time with Jesus. Like that's the lens cleaner. Spending time with Jesus is that, that little eight by inch, eight inch towel that they give you to clean your glasses and then you lose it eventually. Like the, the truth is we're gonna sweat. We're gonna get mud and dirt and grime and, and fingerprints all over our sunglasses because that's the state of the world we live in. That's Genesis three. We live in a fallen world riddled with sin. It's gonna get messy. And some things just aren't going to be easy to clean off. And so do what these guys did. Spend as much time as you can with Jesus so that you know the character of the God that your faith rests in. All right, verse 32. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And I, I love this reaction because they're like dumbfounded that they didn't see Jesus until dinner. Like the whole time they knew something was going on 
And, and these guys are like, man, I was, I was ready to fly when he was speaking, weren't you? They're like, how could I not see it? And they're like kicking themselves. But they see it now. They see him so clearly. Not simply with their eyes, but by being able to, to simply talk about Jesus and being open and honest with their struggles and doubts and then renewing their mind in the scriptures and having their hearts aligned with God through fellowship with the Son, their faith is restored. And so what do they do? Verse 33. And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. Now remember, they, they were just at dinner with Jesus, right? It was getting dark. That's why they invited Jesus in. But when they see Jesus and everything clicks, it says at that same hour. Like they didn't waste any time. They were like, let's go. Let's get up. Let's move. Let's run and not be weary. Let's walk and not faint, to borrow some words from Isaiah. And they found the 11 and those who were with them gathered together saying, these are the 11 and those gathered. They're saying, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon. So apparently they got, they got to this, you know, their friends and they're like, hey, he appeared to, to Simon. And then they told, verse 35, then they told what happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And this leads us to our last and final tip to a stronger faith. Share your faith. The Great Commission is a call to all to proclaim the good news of the gospel to the ends of the earth, to go out and preach Jesus. Our model here at, at OCC is to help people go from lost chair one people to chair four people, disciple makers. And we can't do that if we remain silent on the work that Jesus has done in our lives. You know, one of the saddest things I hear is when people say they don't have a story to tell. Like, I have a pretty cool story. I mean, I, I wasn't saved my, my whole life. I, I, you know, I, I came from a, another religion and then, you know, God did some pretty amazing things. But lifelong Christians will say, I don't have a really cool story. Like, you know, I gave my life to Jesus when I was a kid. I grew up in the church and, and I, I went to maybe a Christian university or a Christian school and I married a Christian guy or a Christian girl and went to church all my life. It's just kind of been all that I know. And, and no one wants to hear that, right? That's just... It's, it's not a good story. And that's not true at all. Because the truth is, you were lost. You were dead in your sins. And it doesn't matter how old you were, God spoke in your life. He spoke to your dead heart. And at that moment, he called you to new life. You died to yourself and you started living for the gospel. And now you yearn each and every day to give God the glory that he deserves because you didn't get the punishment that you deserve. You have joy in your heart because of Jesus. You have strength to resist sin and the devil because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Don't say that your story doesn't matter. I'm sure all of you at one time or another have seen the hand of God move in your life. And God can use that story to further the kingdom to strengthen a wavering brother or sister in Christ who's possibly going through a crisis right now, who's possibly struggling because things aren't going according to their plan and their faith is being shaken and tested. And by you showing your faith is strong because God is strong, they can go, oh yeah, God is in control. I can trust him. And when you share your faith and you build up the church, your faith is strengthened as well. That's what we like to call a win-win situation. All right, now let me end by, by finishing up my earlier story. 
So when my wife and I were going through that whole housing ordeal, it was like crazy stressful and, and really scary. And, and we just got to the point where like, there's nothing we can do except for trust God. You know, it's like when Peter says, you know, Lord, to whom shall we go? Like, where else are we gonna go? Jesus, we're all in for you. And so what we did at, at that moment is we just held hands and we prayed. We asked God for guidance, for patience. I confess that I was fearful because I, I really didn't wanna be you know, stuck in this middle. Like this wasn't going according to plan. And we prayed for a quick resolution to just all of this meth, mess, not meth, mess. <laughs> We're gonna use the second recording. <laughs> That's not gonna be, all right. For all this mess, M-E-S-S, -S, there we go. <laughs> all right, welcome to church. Good to see you. All right. So after we prayed and, and, and you know, we, we said amen, I'm, I'm not kidding around. Like, this is not a Jesus juke or anything like that. As soon as we said amen, my phone rang. And the government had cleared the transaction, funds were released, and we could move into our new home. Like, it was that quick. Truth is, God is in control. He was in control that whole time. So we should never lose faith because our faith is in the almighty God. While we may have situations that shake us, nothing can shake him. And if we stand firmly on the rock of Christ, then nothing can shake us either. Remember, he holds all things in his hands and he knows what he's doing. Amen? All right, let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for truth. God, there are so many times in our lives that the enemy is pretty clever. And he uses things in this life to distract us, to weaken our faith, to, to shatter um, and shake what we hold. But God, you cannot be shaken. You cannot be shattered. You are the rock. And God, when our faith is wavering, God, help us to, to look to you, to spend time with you, to read your word, to be vulnerable with, with you and with our friends, to just talk about you. And God, I pray that your spirit would, would guide those conversations. God, that you would help us to trust that you are the rock of our salvation. And God, I pray for anybody in here that is struggling, who came in today with, with a weakened faith, because there are some real circumstances out there. I don't want to minimize that at all. There are real circumstances that are hard and that are difficult. And I pray, God, for those people. Because even in the heartache, even in the depths of the valley, you are still God. And so I pray for them. And I pray for somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Who are just trying to go through this life on their own. And they've been tripping and falling and falling and falling and just going, this isn't working. I pray they would trust in you and see that you are the way, as we just sang, you are the way, the truth, and the life. And we come to the Father only through your Son. I pray this humbly, in Jesus' name.
Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you would like to give to our ministry, please check out our website at lewistonocc.org. And don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to this podcast, as well as our YouTube channel. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram, so you're always up to date with what's going on here at Orchards Community Church. Take care, and God bless.